0: This is the FCB Radio Network, home of the best personalities and where real talk lives. Online at fcbradio.com.
1: FCB.
0: This is the FCB Radio Network, home of the best personalities and where real talk lives. Online at fcbradio.com.
1: FCB. to another episode of Marvel Halls and Silver Screens. My name is Sarah Lee. I am back in D.C., so I'm coming to you from a very chilly downtown Washington. Um, I have a special uh, guest for the show today, and he and I talked for a good 30 minutes, um, so I'm just going to let that be the bulk of the show. Um, I do want to probably talk at some point, maybe next week, about the... Um, the the new developments in the Durham um, investigation. Uh, There was a man, I believe, who has been arrested um, uh, for providing... Oh, there's a siren going by outside, I apologize. For providing some information that ultimately fleshed out Christopher Steele's dossier. Um, And I want to get into all of that. I want to talk about that next week. Um, But I think this week I'm just going to let my guest and I... Uh, Kind of talk about movies, Um, and we do talk about political movies, so it does fit in with the sort of thrust of the show. Uh, His name is David Vining. He reached out to me um, because he does political writing, and um, he he was just like, you know, I'd love to come on the show, and I was like, that's awesome. I would love to have you come on. He's also from Charleston, so uh, it just kind of seemed like one of those kismet uh, fits, right? So i'm gonna stop talking now i'm gonna let that sort of be today's show i really hope you enjoy it had an awesome time talking to him i hope he comes back on because i think he and i could probably talk at length for you know about politics and movies um on some other topics so i'm gonna let that be what that is uh so that's the show for this week um I'm going to go ahead and sign off now so that when you finish listening to the interview with David, um, you'll know that, you know, that that's all there is this week. Um, so, you know, as always, uh, take care of yourselves. Take care of each other. Be kind, be strong and enjoy this interview with my new friend, David Vining. Alrighty. Hey, y'all. OK, so. We have a guest this week, which is sort of unusual for my show. Um, I, I've had them before, but this particular guest reached out to me. He had recently been on the Great Christian Totos podcast, and Christian and I are friends. And so when he reached out and told me that and what he does and that he has a book, um, I was So I have a guest named David Vining today. He has a book called The Sharp Kid that came out uh, in October at the end of October. Um, You can find it on Amazon. I'll link to uh, to that in my column this week. Uh, He lives in Charleston. He writes at Ace of Spades, which if you follow politics, you probably know um, the Ace of Spades website. Um, And he Mainly does, I think, culture and film writing there. So we are going to talk today about what he how he defines uh, political films, what which ones he thinks are worthwhile, which ones maybe you haven't heard of some. And he's going to suggest a few. And I also want to get his thoughts on whether or not he thinks there are any um, decent political films being made today and what what Hollywood kind of needs to do to correct that um, that course if they're not doing it. So. David Vining, welcome to the show.
0: Hello. Nice hey. to be here.
1: Yeah, yeah. I'm so glad you reached out. This is going to be very cool. So first of all, tell me a little bit about your book.
0: Uh, the Sharp Kid is uh, a Western set in the 1880s um, of um, Missouri about a kid who, a um, 16-year-old who joins his father to become a gang, uh, become part of a gang. He, he's inspired by Jesse James um and they start robbing trains it's um but it, it never it, there are you know dreams of going further west of uh, eventually hitting San Francisco but they kind of get you know stuck in this life and um you know it, it's it's more of a a tragedy than a, a great adventure but you know it's there's there's a lot going on it's um it's it's been received well by the people who've read it um and i i hope that everyone you know, buys a copy and enjoys it.
1: So this is, I gotta, I gotta ask you. So as someone, I'm a writer by trade as well. um, And I, every writer is like, I have a book in my head, right? So how, how on earth did you make that come to fruition? I'm just trying to pick a brain here. <laughs> yeah,
0: that's fine. I, um, I've written a few books. I've published a few things. Uh, the Sharp Kid is just the most recent. Um, I have um, a fantasy novel called Crystal Embers out. I have a book about the Battle of Lake Erie from the War of 1812 mm-hmm. that I published. Um, that's a nonfiction novel. Um, And I have a bunch of short stories that I published. And, you know, the the thing about writing is you kind of have to treat it like a job. Mm -hmm. Um, You know, you you sit down for an hour a day and you just say, I'm going to write. You know, it's it's I'm more of a Stephen King, you know, approach where, you know, it doesn't matter if what you're writing right now is good or bad. You know, you can't publish something you don't write. Uh, So write it down. You can fix it later. But it's just you have to, like, keep to it as much as possible Just sit down and write.
1: Yeah, I've heard that philosophy. It's been suggested to me before. Um, And I was a reporter for several years and we had a saying that kind of uh, sort of uh, kind of is the same thing, I guess. It's there is no uh, there is no writer's block on deadline. Right. Um, And if it's a self-imposed deadline, it's the same thing. Exactly. Um, well, that's very cool. Very, very cool. I think maybe offline sometime I'm going to pick your brain a little bit more about how you managed to get some books out of you, because I I just I want to do that as well and not political writing fiction as well. So that's for another conversation. But today, um, well, first of all, let's talk about Ace of Spades. How long have you been writing there?
0: Um, I've been writing there for three or four years. Mm-hmm. Um, my handle there is the James Madison. So I'm in the comments section a lot. Um, and I do a, a, a weekend Saturday evening movie post uh, once every three weeks um, so it's just you know kind of I, there's no directive from Ace or any of the other co-bloggers it's just you know what I want to to write about um, so you know I tend to just follow my interests um, but I try to you know balance it between kind of you know, the sort of art house sensibilities that I gravitate to with more populist stuff. So I like, for example, over the past couple of months, I did a long post about John Carpenter and his work, and mm-hmm. then I did a long post about Andre Tarkovsky and his work. OK, so, um, it's uh, it, it's quite, it kind of runs the gamut. I try to appeal to both the, the audience there as well as to myself. Um, and, uh, it's, you know, I've been doing it for a few years and people seem to like it, so I haven't been kicked out. So that's, that's always a good thing.
1: Right. <laughs> yeah. I guess, especially in today's, you know, cancel culture world, if we're surviving to write another day, it's a, it's a good sign. Um, so how did you get into film? I mean, uh, people, there are certain people who are like, I love movies. I love film. I'm one of those people, but I'm a complete novice. So I don't know that I could go into a long discussion of Carpenter's work. So how, you know, how did you get into this? Have you always been a film buff?
0: Yeah. Um, ever since I was in high school or so, my mother, her oh, well, she knew that I liked movies and she kind of pushed me into more of an art house direction. Um, for m- most people in my generation, I'm mid 30s. You know, kind of the entry point to movies is Star Wars. Mm-hmm. And there are a couple of different directions you can go there. You can go forward. You can you know just follow Star Wars and the things that inspired it. Or you can go backwards and you can find the things that inspired Star Wars. Mm-hmm. So my mother exposed me to a lot of um, Kurosawa back in mm-hmm. high school. Mm-hmm. I remember she picked up the seventh seal from the library one day and handed it to me and said, you're going to watch this. Um, and so And that kind of started that. Um, I also read a lot of Roger Ebert. Um, My mother had a big book of his reviews. And so, you know, I started reading that as you know confirmation that Star Wars is a good movie. But then I just kept reading more and more in there. And I kind of gained a greater appreciation. Um, I took a bunch of film classes in college, kind of like film criticism, appreciation, that sort of thing, not actual filmmaking. Mm -hmm. And I've just, you know, ever since I've just watched movies all the time. Um, In terms of like John Carpenter, I I couldn't yeah, I couldn't you know sit down and write a 2000 word article about John Carpenter cold. I sat down and I watched all of his movies in order. Right. Um, I, I reviewed all of them at my own little blog, um, which is more of like a journal than an actual blog. Um, but I, I just, you know, I watched them all. I, I gave them all serious thought. And by the end, it's like I found a way to like consider John Carpenter in an interesting way his entire career. Um, and that's just kind of how I, I approach everything I write. I try to. Um, you know, absorb as much as possible, kind of walk into a conversation with some level of um, knowledge.
1: Right. And, you know, on the subject of Ebert, I bet your mom and I had the same book. I was given a a book of Roger Ebert's reviews many years ago. And what's interesting about Ebert is he he had that same appreciation for film, obviously made a career out of it. But man, he could write. His reviews are easy reading. They're so good.
0: Yeah. Yeah. I mean, it's uh, they're not every review of his is great. Um, <laughs> I've, I've read some like awful reviews where he just kind of completely missed the point and didn't care. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, but that being said, he, he's the one who taught me how to watch movies mm-hmm. and you know, it's, it's how to watch movies. It's, it's easy. You sit down and you, you watch and that's not quite the same thing. It's about engagement. It's about kind of like reaching out to, you know, the, the, the film itself saying, you know, I'm open to what you are trying to say. Mm-hmm. You know, it's not about walking into a movie and saying I I I want this. Give me this. Mm-hmm. Because you'll never really be satisfied, you know, if you walk into, you know, The Godfather and you say, "All right, give me a great comedy." You know, you're you're going to be disappointed. It's mm-hmm. it's not going to matter whether The Godfather is good or bad. It's not a comedy. And so you forcing that demand on to the the movie is Unfair to the movie and unfair to yourself. You kind of have to try to engage on the level that the movie itself is trying to engage and, you know, kind of gauge it on that. And that's, that's what Ebert really taught me.
1: Yeah, and you know, that's interesting because when you think about film in terms of art, which it is, it's an art form um, at its best. uh, It's the same with other forms of art, uh, painting, photography. Uh, You have to take it the way the artist is giving it to you, right? Like you can't have your preconceived notions about it. I guess you can, but it might limit your enjoyment of it.
0: Right. And that's not to say that every movie is successful. You know, people try things. And they don't work. I was I was having a conversation earlier today about Martin Scorsese's New York, New York, and Scorsese tried something very specific, and he failed. It doesn't work. The movie doesn't work. Just because Scorsese tried something doesn't mean he succeeded at it, mm-hmm. you know. But it's it's important to like try to see what he was trying to do at the same time.
1: Yeah, and I think Scorsese can. It's okay if he has the uh, the occasional failure. The man's yeah. you <laughs> know catalog is pretty good. <laughs> Um, OK, so let's talk political films, because that's what the show in the beginning. That's what I always wanted the show to kind of explore was kind of the connection between the, the Hollywood culture, filmmaking culture and the political culture. There are some overlaps, some pretty, uh, pretty obvious ones and some not so obvious ones. So I do think that there have been some really great political films. A lot of them are thrillers. Some of them are comedies. Um, and I have a very sort of, um, kind of clunky from the, you know, it's just pure entertainment. Um, I like, you know, I'm a big, um, Mr. Smith goes to Washington. I love that film. I was a big fan of wag the dog, uh, obviously. And I mentioned this to you before we started recording the Manchurian candidate. Um, but I think my sort of appreciation for the political film is, is pretty surface. It's stuff. Pretty much everyone knows. So um, I'm wondering what your, as someone who's a little more studied, um, what your opinion is on what makes a good political film. And then give us some ideas of what if people haven't seen some of these, what they should be looking for.
0: Yeah. So, you know, when I think of the political film, I, I, I suddenly gain uh, think of a very large palette of what could be co- called a political film mm-hmm. the examples that you provided are are one type where the, they're about process you know so they're they're about the political process so the manchurian candidate is about a primary uh, Mr. Mis- Mr. Smith Goes to Washington is about the passage of legislation. Mm-hmm. Um, you can other uh, others you can fall in there are things like the the Man Who Shot Liberty Valance, which mm-hmm. is about you know how you know early America kind of developed politics. Um, you can think about Lincoln, you know the Steven Spielberg film about the mm-hmm. passage of the the amendment. Um, there are others like All the President's Men, um, which is about you know the inter- uh, the, the the mythological, um, integration between, uh, the media and the government, um, as well as stuff like 13 days and the contender. Um, but then there, there are other types of, uh, uh, films that could be considered political. And one of those is just outright propaganda. Mm-hmm. Um, so, uh, you know, it's, it, yeah, I, I mean it from like a very literal perspective of, you know, a government funds a project to be propaganda. Mm -hmm. Um, So this was big. The Soviet Union had a huge. um, A a huge film industry from its inception, they understood the importance of art in terms of uh, um, convincing people. And so they put a lot of money into it. And it wasn't just so that individuals like someone like Andrei Tarkovsky could, you know, explore his personal past on film. It was mostly about trying to get people um, on board with like the Soviet Union. So, you know, you you think I immediately think of something like uh, there's a movie called I am Cuba. Uh, It's Soy Cuba. It's um, it was directed by Mikhail uh, Kalatozov. It's and it's a, a series of four vignettes set in Batista era Cuba mm-hmm. about you know the the oppression of the the lower classes by the Batista regime and you know that that's explicitly political and you know it, it's not just limited to that you know the great Howard Hawks uh, uh, dipped his toe into propaganda in the middle of World War II right.
1: when
0: he made the movie Air Force uh, it's you know about three quarters of the movie is just a really good. Uh, combat movie about men who fly into Hawaii the, the morning of the, the bombing of Pearl Harbor, and then they have to fly to the Philippines and they have to get planes up and running. It's really good. But then the last 30 minutes, 20, 30 minutes is just a, a complete piece of propaganda where, you know, the, the first three quarters of the movie is about, you know, the, the beginnings of a long fight and the last and then the last act of the movie is about the winning of a fight it just doesn't fit it's a piece mm-hmm. of propaganda to get people out and you know signed up for the army or buying war bonds um the um the, the next would be um the, the next type would be just kind of this socio-political uh movie so these are quote unquote important movies about timely subjects um, and I think this is what most people think of when they think of political films these days. Um, you know, that movie is just political because it, it's trying to push a, push a message. Right.
1: Right. It has an agenda. One side's, you know, exactly.
0: Yeah, and, it's, you know, just
1: th- telling one side of the story, that kind of right. thing.
0: right. And it, it, this has been going on for a really long time. I, I have little patience for important movies, quote unquote, important <laughs> movies, because um, it, it's as Sam Goldwyn said, if you uh, want to send a message use western union um the the, the message ends up overriding everything else about the storytelling um but it, it doesn't always happen uh billy wilder made the lost weekend it's about alcoholism it's uh-huh. it's a, an absolutely fantastic movie but it's very much a message movie it's about the evils of alcoholism it's just that the work going into the main character and his journey over this terrible weekend is just so well written and performed and displayed that it kind of overcomes the fact that it's just trying to be this message film. And then the last, uh, I kind of broke it down into four and the last, uh, of these types of films is, um, everything is political. Now, now this is, um, it's, it's a largely leftist view. Um, I was kind of first exposed to this idea explicitly, uh, through Costa Gavras, Mm -hmm. um, the the highly political filmmaker of movies like State of Siege and Z, mm-hmm. he it, it's his argument that literally every piece of art is political in nature. So even if you're just making some like little romantic comedy set in the suburbs, it's it's light and frothy. It has nothing to do with anything. It's still political because you're you're displaying. The suburbs as something good and nice. You know, you're, you're displaying, you know, uh, sexual politics a certain way. So it's obviously political.
1: I actually think I might agree with that, frankly.
0: Yeah. And, and you know, it's that that's kind of I, I do, too. It, it's hard once you see that it's kind of hard to unsee it. Mm-hmm. You know, end up seeing it everywhere. And it's really depressing because <laughs> <laughs> then you realize, well, first of all, it's just tiring, you know, seeing politics and everything is exhausting.
1: It's like once you I, know I, it, once the veil is lifted, it's like I can't like now I'm just inundated with it all the time. And it and it, it ruins the enjoyment, the pure entertainment value.
0: Exactly. You yeah. know, it, it becomes just completely exhausting to seeing it all over the place. And it, it's very obvious that modern Hollywood has kind of taken this tact and run with it. Everything is political. You know, so while they're not doing like overtly political things all the time, everything they meet make is trying to kind of push us in a certain, you know, sociopolitical direction. Mm-hmm. It's it, it. And, you know, I, I'm happy to watch movies that I don't agree with. I watch movies from the Soviet Union all the time. You know, they're they're movies about how great the Soviet Union is. And you know what? I'm not like running out to buy the communist manifesto i don't mind watching movies that disagree with me as long as i find them compelling um but when which is why which
1: is why cancel culture is so you're you're, you know it's it's such a scourge because uh we should be able to um you know absorb and and process things we don't agree with without saying that must never be seen again you know yeah right
0: so it's 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 nice to see movies that like have a point you agree with. And there are a lot of people who just can't see movies that they don't agree with because they find it immoral. So, I mean, there's a certain moral aspect to all the storytelling. So, you know, that, you know, threshold is really based on personal preference. You know, if you see something immoral in a story, you begin to reject it. Um, And and again, that's, that's a different threshold for everyone for, you know, a lot of people who are grown up in the eighties who saw, you know, who grew up on slasher movies, you know, the idea of seeing, watching murder in film is not, you know, terrible It's it, because there's this complete disassociation between what is in film and what is real life. Um, and, you know, some people can do that. Other people can't. I can. Um, and so I tend to like a, a, a very wide type of movie. Um, and other people just simply say, you know it's I can't believe you liked it it said something bad that I didn't like and it's like it's no, fine but you
1: know that's the whole that's the whole argument about you know individual choice if if, if it doesn't appeal to you and you find it immoral, then don't watch it. Uh, but but this notion that you know my morality and and I'm a pretty black and white when it I'm you know I'm Catholic I have a, a, a I'm just as me personally I, I definitely believe in some absolutes but to try to apply my preference uh, to the entire rest of the world when it comes to filmmaking um, that just seems completely irrational to me not not and, and immoral ironically. <laughs>
0: Yeah, and I, I feel like it's just the, the problem these days is that there it's it's a monocultural monoculture from uh, Hollywood. It's like there there's nothing but the the stuff from the other side, and so it just kind of becomes exhausting. Right. When you know when you find something that isn't steeped in it, um, like maybe the the newest Dune, it's it's kind of refreshing. It's like wow, I'm not being lectured to. It's nice.
1: Yeah, I um, haven't seen it yet, but I've heard it's just visually stunning.
0: Yeah, I thought it was pretty good. Yeah, um,
1: okay. good to know. But,
0: um, but yeah. So, in uh, in terms of your your actual question, I went on this long, long tangent.
1: That's okay. Um,
0: in terms of. <laughs> A political movies. I kind of um, yeah. The first movie that really came to mind is one of your favorites as well. It's The Manchurian Candidate. Right. Yeah. It's. um, I mean, it's it's,
1: brilliant. The original, especially, it's brilliant.
0: It it really is. I have nothing really against Jonathan Demme's uh, remake. It's perfectly fine, Uh, but the original is just. It's John Frankenheimer at the absolute height of his power. You know, within a few years he made. Manchurian Candidate, The Train, and Seconds, and all three are just absolutely fantastic films. Um, And, you know, The Manchurian Candidate, it is just, you know, steeped in politics. Um, I don't think it really says what John Frankenheimer thought it said, because our, you know, Joe McCarthy character ends up being right that there are communists overtaking Mm -hmm. the the government in the movie. So, you know, yeah, he's a buffoon, uh, but he's ultimately right. And I just it, it, it kind of boggles my mind that Frankenheimer mm-hmm. would put that together, mm-hmm. but um, <laughs> um, but uh, yeah. So, so I mean, that was my first big example, and the second one is it's it's partially political. When you're talking about political process, it's Citizen Kane. Mm-hmm. Um, Citizen Kane has become a victim of its own success. You know, for 50 years, it was the number one movie on the Sight and Sound poll, and so people just walk into it expecting to be completely blown away. And they end up just watching a movie because it is ultimately just a movie and the and it's kind of developed this level of backlash. Mm-hmm. I think the movie's great. Absolutely I think, great.
1: I, I love it as well. Did you see the uh did you see uh, Mank?
0: I watched like the first thirty minutes of it and then for some reason I like family issues, like my son needed something and I just stopped and I never picked it up again.
1: Well, you should she should finish it because it's obviously it's not it's not as I, I thought it was very good. It's not as great as Citizen Kane because Citizen Kane broke the mold, but it it does this interesting thing where it adopts some of Wells' uh, direct directorial techniques to pay homage to the original film. So it's pretty interesting. So if you like Citizen Kane, you probably would.
0: Yeah, i meaning control. to. I just never yeah. get around to it. I've got so many other things to watch.
1: <laughs> so why do you think Citizen Kane is is why would you put that in your political film?
0: Well, because when you're talking about like the political process, you know, there, there's that that section that's about his run for governor. Um, and, you know, it's you know if you want to consider all the president's men political, whether it's primarily about the press, you have to consider Citizen Kane as well, because that is also about the intersection of um, the press and politics. You know, even from the beginning, when he sets up his uh, when he buys the newspaper and, you know, he he delivers that apocryphal famous line of, um, you send me the pictures and I'll, uh, I'll deliver the war. Mm -hmm. Um, it's it's from the beginning, you know, this, it's about William Randolph Hearst. It's about a man with, you know, political ambitions. It's, it's all there. And, you know, it, it is, it's, it's not a political movie in that it's about, like a, a socio-political issue. It's a political movie in that it's about the process, about the rise and fall of a man who tried to use politics to gain power and happiness. Happiness is a huge part of that. Right.
1: Um, did but, you, uh, yeah. out of curiosity, did you ever see the lives of others?
0: I did. I, I, I own that movie. Yeah. Oh, it's uh, fantastic. I saw that movie in theaters actually.
1: Did you? Oh, wow. <laughs> but it was good in the theater. Yeah.
0: Um,
1: would you consider that a political movie?
0: Oh yeah, definitely. Okay. Um, it's, uh it's one of those that kind of straddles a few lines because its dramatic elements are so strong that it that's kind of where it is first and foremost. but it's you know ultimately it's it's uh, a lot of German artists have spent a lot of time dealing with their past. and um, you know, that just kind of, you know, on the one side, on the West German side, you have someone like uh, Werner Herzog who finds ways to do it. But then you have the East German side. Where they didn't just end with Nazism, they continued with Soviet rule Mm -hmm. for another few decades, and you know that's, and you know that's something else to deal with. And so yeah, it's it's uh, I would imagine that, especially from an East German point of view, it's intensely political. Um, It's just because we are not really part of that paradigm, we're seeing it from the outside. It feels a less so if, if we probably see the dramatic elements more. I see this a lot in Korean movies,
1: mm-hmm.
0: Korean movies. I, I don't know their politics, but they always feel like they're intensely political. I just don't get it. <laughs> it's like I, I don't understand what the the symbols are supposed to mean in terms of their political paradigm. Right. Um,
1: would you say that sort of plays into how wh- why people are so interested in the newest um, Netflix series? Um, gosh, what's it called? The one where? The Squid Game. Thank you. Squid Game. Yeah. Um, do you think that I mean, I kind of feel like that is political as well. It's talking about, you know, cl- classism and. Yeah. Like and that.
0: The the classist elements are stronger in uh, Korean culture than they are in American culture. They, they They're more stratified. Um, it's it's not like the caste system in, in India, but it's there is a, a, a stronger divide between what it means to be rich and what it means to be poor um, and so, you know, it's when, when you kind of generalize that it, it feeds into the you know, common conceptions from across every political aisle, across every nation about those who have and those who have not. You know, they, they manifest in different ways across different cultures. But ultimately, at the core, there's still that idea that, the, you know, there are powerful forces that are out to, you know, minimize the, the happiness, wealth and well-being of those with less. So it's it, it, it becomes certain universal, you know, it, there's a, a very specific element to it that is Korean. But because it's still touching on kind of grander things there, um, it, it, it can feed it, other people outside of that culture can still you know latch on to it. Well, even if they are missing certain specifics. Within the story.
1: Okay, yeah. Well, that just reminds me of something that my literature teacher told me in high school. He said, you know, the best novels are they universalize whatever it is they're talking about, so that everyone can can relate to it in some way.
0: Yeah, and you know what? That that to kind of relate to something earlier, it's there is a lot in um, like topical films that don't do that. You know, it's about the specific issue at the specific time and there's no universality to it because it's it's about like the people. It's about the specific situation and there's no effort to pull back just ever so slightly and kind of make it a bit more universal to uh, people who aren't already within that bubble.
1: Mm -hmm. Yeah. And I think that that's a I hate to say it. This is a harsh word, but that might be a failure um in those kinds of movies because that's how I think that's how you differentiate sort of the art, great art from something that's just kind of meh.
0: <laughs> you know, and it it um it reminds me of a poetry class I took in college. It was all about Sylvia Plath. And we're we're going through this thing for going through her work for weeks and weeks and weeks and suddenly a girl raises her hand and says how is this art if we have to know Sylvia Plath's life to understand it? Interesting. Because, you know, the the images, the specific images she used, the only way to really understand them was the man in black was her father. Right. And at no point in like any of her poetry does she make that explicit. You have to just know that going in. So it's like, how powerful is this if it's really just for an audience of one?
1: That's a really interesting question and I've never considered it that way I was not a huge fan of Sylvia Plath I did like the one poem uh, I think it's a daddy um, and she did write a lot about her father uh, I do like her work but I think that's a really astute question that that girl asked because she's right um, you know it's it's you do kind of it's kind of navel gazing right
0: yeah
1: yeah exactly okay so we have just a little bit of time left so give me your your top like your favorite political films and why you think people should like watch them if they haven't
0: so i would start with you know the manchurian candidate um i would start with the manchurian candidate it's you know it's it's just it it uses politics to tell a great Thriller story.
1: Is that, is that uh, your child back there weighing yeah, yeah.
0: in? <laughs> Babysitter uh, <laughs> took him away. I apologize for that. Oh
1: no, it's fine. I love it. Go ahead, Manchurian. Um, uh, so
0: Manchurian. You know, so the Manchurian candidate is on top, um, uh, just in terms of like framing it as a political film, I, and then I suppose you know Citizen Kane, as I said, um, and. You know, it's it's been way too long since I've seen Mr. Smith goes to Washington for me to really uh, like talk about it specifically. Um,
1: It's great. I mean, it's it's kind of got the hokey thing, but there are there are sort of great messages in that film. I'm a big fan, but I'm a big fan of Jimmy Stewart. He could do no wrong for me. So, yeah.
0: I would have to throw in um, the man who shot Liberty Valance. Right. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah, I'm I'm go- I'm currently about halfway through all of John Ford's movies. Mm-hmm. I'm really looking forward to revisiting that. But it's you know, it, it it's it's one of those that finds a way to integrate the 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 store, the, the story of America's founding on the frontier, like with an actual story um, mm-hmm. involving Jimmy Stewart. And John Wayne.
1: Mm-hmm.
0: Um, so, I mean, I guess those would probably be my top three. OK, to go further.
1: No, I mean, go ahead. If you have any others, I'd love to hear. No, it's,
0: uh, I don't think I can. I don't okay. I don't have any that are popping into mind.
1: Yeah, that's fair. That's fair. Well, this has been very, very cool. And um, I love John Ford, too. I just I one of my favorite films, I'm pretty sure it's John Ford. I'm almost positive it is Is uh, the quiet man.
0: Yep. Yeah, that's
1: cool. Um yeah, and I actually think there's some politics in that one too, related to Ireland and the United States and yeah, you
0: know. that's not his only uh Ireland movie. He he made a, a fair number of movies, you know, about Irish people in America, about Irish people in Ireland who are trying to go to America. Um and so if I remember correctly, the Quiet Man is like the only one where an American goes to Ireland. Mm-hmm. Um But it's like The Informer. I just watched for the first time in many, many years a few days ago, which is about, you know, an IRA member um, and his um, it's kind of crime and punishment with the IRA. Um, But yeah, it's John Ford has been wonderful to work through. It's just he made so many movies.
1: Yeah. You know, and there's another one coming out that I think might fit into this conversation about political films. Um, It's uh, Kenneth Branagh's new one. I love Kenneth Branagh. uh, Belfast.
0: Yep. I've seen that trailer. Yeah.
1: Yeah. and, And it's supposedly it's gotten really, you know, it was at some of the film festivals and people are liking it. And he hasn't done much in recent years, but some of his early stuff is pretty good. And this is a sort of a memoir for him.
0: Yeah, yeah, that, that's what I hear, is that it, it's about his life growing up in Belfast. Um, it, During the travel. Bernard is an interesting filmmaker. He, I don't think he really knows what he's doing. He just kind of swings for the fences.
1: Right. Um,
0: <laughs> uh, but um, it's it, he, he definitely has made interesting stuff um Um, and i'm sure i'll check out belfast at some point
1: oh yeah i definitely will i also like the sort of aesthetic of the black and white which i know he's done before so i kind of like that but um you mentioned scorsese and i'm pretty sure this is scorsese what would you put gangs of new york in a in a political filmmaking box
0: yeah i mean well everything's political right Um, Right?
1: oh yeah that that definitely
0: is it's it's very steeped in the history of um you know, New York at the time, which was intensely political, especially around, you know, the civil war, Abraham Lincoln, all that fun stuff. Um, but you know, you can pull back and generalize around it. And, you know, I know people who, who do that and then they end up hating the movie because of what they end up seeing. The movie is saying about like modern America. Mm -hmm. Um, so it's, it, it kind of depends on how you want to look at it. I really like gangs of New York. It's, a giant mess of a film, but it's just so thoroughly entertaining from beginning to end. Um, but it's, yeah, it's, it's, it's an interesting movie.
1: Yeah. Okay. Well, I think we'll wrap it up there. Thank you so, so much for coming on. This has been an awesome conversation. I feel like I could talk to you for hours actually about movies. (laughs) Um, so yes, really, really, I'm so glad you reached out.
0: I am too. This was great. Thank you very yeah. much. Yeah,
1: yeah, and um, I will uh, make sure to link the uh, Amazon um, book on my column. And David Vining um, he's a writer who lives in Charleston, which is one of my favorite places. Anybody that has listened to me before knows that. So thrilled to have you on. And um, yeah, take care.
0: Thank you very much. You too.
1: A psychiatric board, his face up on a bulletin board with a report The FCB Radio Network. First-class broadcasting worldwide.